1: You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
0: What's up, Dolphins, and welcome in to the Tuesday, August the 22nd edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host. Travis Wingfield, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. On today's show, a Tuesday show, not a lot of information to get to, but we're going to talk about the Dolphins arriving in Philadelphia for a week of practices with the Eagles, another Dolphins starting offensive lineman down to injury at a position that is already a weakness, and who are the Jenga pieces for the Miami Dolphins, a Jenga piece as in the types of players that if you pull them out from the block, the whole thing crumbles. All of that and more on today's show. But first, I got to remind you guys, before we get into the episode, to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Drop me a five-star rating. Write me a nice review. That's how I'm judged by my employer. That's how I get more podcasts out to you guys. So it helps me. It helps you. Helps everybody. And don't forget to check out the Locked On Sports family of podcasts, including the NFL, Locked On NFL podcast, and the Locked On Heat podcast for national and local coverage of your favorite teams. Lastly, Follow me on Twitter, at WingfieldNFL, and check out my personal website, thirdand 10com all about quarterbacks around the NFL and college football. Right now, the week two recap from all the quarterbacks' film study, some gifs in there, and some breakdowns of their performances for the second game of the preseason with only two more to go. So that is up and live right now, but let's get into some Miami Dolphins talk here and talk a little bit about some news and notes around training camp and what's going on with the Dolphins currently. We heard about the injury to Craig Urbic last week or over the weekend and uh, I guess after the Thursday night game and it was reported that it was an injury, didn't know what the extent of it, but now it sounds like Craig Urbic is in jeopardy of missing out on opening day against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which is a big deal because he was the backup to a guy that was supposed to be starting Ted Larson at left guard and that was already a position of concern for the Dolphins, whether it was Larson or Urbic. And now you're down to the third guy behind them which is basically a two-man battle, and that's going to be between Jesse Davis and rookie fifth-round pick out of Utah, Isaac Asiata. They seem to really be hell-bent on getting Jesse Davis reps with the first team in the last couple of preseason games and and getting out there on the field and getting a good look at him. I just don't really know what he offers. He doesn't have a strong punch. He's not very athletic laterally and doesn't get off the ball very quickly. Isaac Asiata, yes, he has his warts. He's a little stiff. He's a little bit lumbering. He can whiff quite a bit, but he does have those flash plays where you see moments of a potential NFL starter and the reason that he was drafted and one of those late-round plug-and-play types of guys that can come in and contribute and, and, and make the roster and eventually be a starter down the line. Whether or not it was going to be his first game of his rookie year, I don't think that was the plan. I mean, he's going to be going up against Gerald McCoy, who kind of alternates between the three technique and the one technique on that Tampa Bay defensive line. And that one technique is going to line up right over the left guard. And I imagine that's where the Bucs will keep him all game if that's where the rookie is and just let McCoy pretty much feast on him and ruin our entire game plan from there. So that's going to be a big area of concern for that game. If uh, either of those two guys are starting, it's going to be a problem. So something to look at there. Not a good situation for the Dolphins right now. And I've talked in the past about how the offensive guard position is one that Adam Gaze doesn't really value that much, at least in terms of pouring resources into it. And I think there's a lot of proof to that just simply based off the way they approach this entire offseason. And a lot of times folks want to look at breakdowns of the rosters and say where a team is weak and where they're strong. But you need to understand the construction of a roster and how the team values certain positions. A great example is New England. I keep hearing about the lack of pass rushers the Patriots have off the edge because now without Rob Ninkovich retirement and now that they lost their rookie, their third-round pick, Derek Rivers, people are throwing up all these red flags about these weaknesses the Patriots have. And it's just kind of silly because... Bill Belichick's defensive scheme doesn't revolve around the defensive ends getting pressure. They have gaps to maintain and responsibilities to uphold, and they allow pressure to funnel off the of linebackers like Dante Hightower moving all over the formation and blitzes, and their coverage takes care of a lot of their pass rush needs as well. So the offensive guard position is kind of the same thing for the Dolphins in Miami. Adam Gaze's offense is predicated on getting the football out quickly and mixing in the running game and using play pass to to mitigate all those potential issues with poor guard play. So he's not going to go out... And spend the crazy buku bucks that we all saw getting tossed around this off season for offensive linemen because there's such a shortage in the league of good offensive line play that I would I I don't love what they have right now, but I would much rather see them put you know minimal resources, veteran, minimum dollars, or late round draft picks, that type of stuff into the position to secure it and make it more sound. So right now you're looking at Jesse Davis versus Isaac Asiata. That's going to be your number one thing to watch on Thursday, but we'll get to that preview later in the week. Right now I want to talk more about the practice notes and what I saw today or what I read, I guess, and take this with a grain of salt because it's always tough to divulge what these beat reporters and, and camp you know, reporters, what, what they know and what they're seeing. I mean, A lot of these guys are qualified to write football stories and that kind of stuff, but they're not necessarily the best football minds, don't necessarily know what they're seeing exactly. I mean, a good example would be Omar Kelly, who makes these bold bold proclamations and typically is is wrong on most of them. So do you trust his eyes in a practice, or do you just kind of go with a general narrative? I don't know. It's kind of tough to say, but the reason what I'm all getting at here— is you had the Eagles reporters reporting how the Dolphins were crushing the Eagles and the Dolphins reporters reporting that the Eagles were having the better of the Dolphins during yesterday's practice. The one note that I saw that was re- relatively consistent was an interception made by Xavier Howard and how he's been playing pretty well the last couple of weeks. And particularly today against new competition, he picked off a pass deep down the field, which was reported by multiple reporters that were at practice on uh, Monday and said some good things about him. So that's good to see. But the one note that I really wanted to to make a note on was Jay Cutler and how impressed some of the Eagles reporters were and Eagles beat writers were and seeing him throwing the football all over the field. They said that, you know, as many warts as Jay Cutler might have, as many interception issues and as many mechanical flaws and yada 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 and all these things that pour into the into the mouth of folks to talk about Jay Cutler. The one thing that's, that's always been consistent and was reported yesterday's practice was the strength of Jay Cutler's arm and how well he can kind of zip the football around the field. And we've known that for a long time. I mean, that's a that's a big part of playing quarterback is the ability to challenge every blade of grass on the field. And Jay Cutler certainly gives you that opportunity to to do that. So good to hear that he's out there slinging it. And speaking of Jay Cutler, we got some, some word today that it sounds like he's going to play the entire first half and then maybe some time into the third quarter. I have to imagine that will depend on his rep count and how many snaps he takes throughout the first half. If, uh, if they go three and out too much and the defense is on the field for a long time, you'll probably see Cutler trot back out with the first-team offense into the third quarter and try to get a good series out there. So good to see they're going to try to get him up to speed and get him going, get him ready for Tampa Bay, which is only less than 20 days away now. I believe we're at 19 days as this is being recorded from opening day, and you're still trying to get things squared away with your quarterback and your offense and, and get that rhythm and timing straightened out. So hopefully that happens. Going to be a big, big test for Cutler on Thursday and a big test for this offense.
1: The list.
0: All right, let's move on to our next segment here. And what I wanted to talk about was Jenga pieces. And this is a scouting term that I picked up from Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks of the move the sticks podcast, something that they talk about a lot. And it's, you take out the quarterback because I think every team's quarterback is a vital Jenga piece. And you talk about the players that if you remove them from the, from the formula would the entire Jenga block, so to speak topple. And there's plenty of players that they're that like that around the league I think the Dolphins probably experienced a little bit of that last year, losing Rashad Jones. Uh, spoiler, he's going to be in this thing. Even though the Dolphins were able to win the, the majority of the games that, that Rashad Jones missed, it was not because their safety play got better. The safety play fell way off. And then once the Dolphins lost Issa Abdul-Kadus, the safety play really fell off. And we saw how desperate that secondary became when they were down a couple of guys to injury. But this, this, this piece... Is going to be about five, the five most important Jenga pieces. And I'm going to start in reverse order with a player that probably is going to surprise a lot of you simply because he plays a position where you could argue that there's two guys that are more important or better players than him. But last year in the New York Jets game, Kenny Stills left at halftime with some stomach issues and the offense completely went stagnant. They were humming in the first half. Kenny Stills does so much for this offense, creating clear out opportunities. You know, a lot of routes are based on creating space for someone else to get open when you have like a smash concept where the inside slot receiver takes his man to the flag the the pylon the corner if you will and the inside guy takes a in cut that that route is supposed to be timed up to where he's removing someone from a cover 2 bringing a safety over and then the the perimeter receiver's job is to win the route inside of his corner that's covering him man up or or in that zone. So a lot of these routes are dependent on guys doing their job and selling every single route as if they are the primary target, which they aren't. Because Adam Gaze's offense is all about finding the open man. We've seen that we saw that last year. We've seen it this year in preseason. He is going to get the ball to the open man. And there are design plays where you know you, you throw a swing pass to Jarvis Landry or or certain things, a slant pass to Devontae Parker, and that's that's every offense, but. Adam Gaze's offense does not focus on pumping the ball to an AJ Green or an Odell Beckham. He wants to spread it around, and Kenny Stills is vital to taking the top off the defense, moving guys around, and just being a good teammate and running those clear out routes. So, Jenga piece number five, Kenny Stills, if he goes down, it has a ripple effect on the entire offense really takes away speed from the receiving group with Landry's, you know, kind of a quick in and out of cuts, but not a good straight line runner and Devontae Parker with not the best top end speed either. So Kenny Stills, the number five Jenga piece. Moving on to number four is the guy I mentioned earlier. I'm going to go with Rashad Jones in this spot. You could argue he's higher just because I think he's probably the Dolphins' best player, if not their second best player on the roster. Uh, he, He just does so much from a schematic standpoint. He allows the Dolphins to do certain things, with their blitz packages, with their coverage, with their zone, the way they rotate coverage, all that kind of stuff. He plays the run so well. He can play the pass. He can blitz. He can do He can do it all. So if you lose Rashad Jones, you lose a big chunk of your scheme and what you're capable of doing with the defense and, and moving different guys around. So Rashad Jones, your fourth Jenga piece. Now this is where I kind of had a difficulty with separating these two guys, and I'm going to actually go number three with Cameron Wake, the defensive end. I think in previous years, Cam Wake would have been higher than three, but this year he's gonna be number three below the top two guys because of the depth the Dolphins now have at defensive end. I, I know it's not a youthful group. It's not necessarily a totally proven group with Andre Branch coming back and after his first really productive year in the NFL. I mean, he was a kind of a bust with the Jaguars as a second round pick from Clemson, and then comes to Miami and has a good year. I, I wouldn't say it was great. He definitely fell off towards the end of the season, but had a good year, got himself paid. And then you have William Hayes. We all know about what he does, what he brings. Kind of a one-dimensional guy at this point of his career, but still a good player. And then Charles Harris, the rookie. We know, obviously, about his pass rush prowess and what he can give you off the edge. But Cam Wake, if he goes down, that guy has just been such a productive pass rusher for so many years now and does it at such a low cost to the team. I mean, he's been always been on team-friendly contracts. The guy works his butt off and just wants to, wants to win and wants to be great. And he has been. And we saw that takeoff last year when he started getting more reps and more snap counts at the defensive end position with really collapsing pockets and harassing quarterbacks and and giving this defense the only real pass rush consistently that it had all year. So Cam Wake, your number three Jenga piece. So that's Kenny Stills, number five. Rashad Jones, number four. Cameron Wake, number three. And number two is going to be a second-year player, left tackle Laramie Tunzel. And I've spoken quite a bit about Laramie Tunzel and how much I think of him, how highly I regard him as a player. And that hasn't changed at all. I still think very highly of him. He's got those those smooth feet. Good soft hands that can really throw a punch, and just a good. He has a good set. Everything about him, he's just he's mechanically sound. He's physically gifted. He does it all very well. Just a natural left tackle who came in and and was probably the Dolphins' best offensive lineman at guard last year. Not even in a position that he's played before. So such a valuable piece. And the reason that he's so valuable is because of what's behind him, and how the rest of the offensive line is. I mean, for lack of a better word or term, it's kind of in shambles, and it, it's just not. It's it's not where it needs to be. And so without Laramie Tunzel, you're looking at Sam Young, maybe Eric Smith, if they choose to kick him over to the left side, even though he's been a career right tackle. In the same way that Juwan James was at Tennessee, you don't want to have Juwan James go to left tackle because then you have two weak positions of weakness when you move him off the right tackle. We saw that in 2014 when Albert went down with an injury. They put Juwan James over at left tackle, and then now you have a not very good left tackle and an even worse right tackle. So you, make, you take one hole and you solve it by creating another hole doesn't really make a lot of sense so if they were to go to a new player at left tackle it's probably not going to be Juwan James it's probably going to be Sam Young maybe even Eric Smith if he seizes that role and and Sam Young continues to struggle in the preseason which is hard to say because Sam Young is more I think he's just better left tackle which is you know neither here nor there but he's the guy Larry Tunzel goes down this offensive line is going to be a wreck so he's the number two Jenga piece and that all leads up to the number one Jenga piece, which is Ndama Kinsu, the most important player in the Miami Dolphins. He gets a lot of flack from the national or the or the general media, if you will, just because he doesn't get the, lot, the large sack numbers. But the way he revolutionizes the scheme, maybe not revolutionizes the scheme, that's a bad word for it, but the way he takes on blockers, the way he eats up space, the way he gets constant penetration in the running game and frees things up for linebackers, He is just such a damn good player and such a vital piece of this team that if he goes out, suddenly you're stuck with uh, Jordan Phillips, I suppose. And, and Devon Godshow at the starting tackles with the number three guy off the bench is Vincent Taylor. And then a, a mixed match between Julius Wormsley and Nick Williams. I mean, that goes from a position of strength to probably one of the worst defensive tackle groups or rotations in the NFL. So if Sue goes out, you go from an all pro to really looking bleak at that spot. So, Your top five Jenga pieces for the Miami Dolphins. Kenny Stills, number four. Rashad Jones, Kenny Stills, number five. Rashad Jones, number four. Cam Wake, number three. Laramie Tunzel, number two. And Ndamukong Su, number one. Obviously, Ryan Tannehill would be number one at the quarterback position. I don't even know where Jay Cutler would fit in. I can't judge that until I see him play with this team. But this is a non-quarterback exercise. So those are your guys. And that is today's show. Be sure to, to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a rating and review. Check out the other Locked On Sports podcasts, the entire Locked On family of podcasts for your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at WingfieldNFL and check out thirdand 10com for all the quarterback goings on around the league, including Ryan Tannehill and now Jay Cutler for your Miami Dolphins. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, forecasting the Thursday preseason game against the Philadelphia Eagles. So we will see you guys tomorrow for another daily dose of Dolphins football. Fins up.
1: the list.